0: welcome to unlock your mindset podcast with me steve rawlinson get ready to open the door to the world of business entrepreneurship and the art of achieving remarkable success we'll focus on emotional intellectual social and adversity and how each of these traits are crucial to unlocking your growth mindset the journey to success starts here so let's go On this episode, I'm talking to Atul Mulhotra, COO of Leading northeast Property and Leisure Group Mulhotra Group, alongside steering the vision and the direction of Mulhotra Group's international award-winning venues. Atul is also a mentor, board member, and was named on the Northern Asian Power List recently. Atul, thank you very much
1: for coming on the show, mate. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having us, Steve. You're more than welcome.
0: As I was talking before, the podcast is all focused around the mindsets of individuals that achieve great things. And if I think about some of the guests that we've had on the show recently, you were the prime example of why I wanted you to get, come on this show. Obviously, from meeting you at the CEO, sleep out, connecting with you. And I thought, you know what, let's get him on the show and let's really get underneath the skin and in the brain of um, Atul. You've obviously wait for this amazing company. For the listeners that don't know you, do you want to just introduce yourself, who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, um, Atal Malhotra, family run business for about just over 35 years in Newcastle. My father started out, came to England when he was 17 years old, as a newspaper shop boy, and got married, had two kids, and fast forward 35 years, I think we're quite a successful northeast yes. family business. And the company is, is mainly run by three of us. My father, my uncle, my dad's brother, Uncle Bunty, and, and myself. And we have some of the junior family members who've just recently joined us, but generally it's been the three of us.
0: So tell us a little bit about the business then. What does that group look like now and how big is it?
1: We employ 1,200 people. Um, all northeast? All northeast. Our stretch is ANIC down to Siam. Three major sectors are property. We have a large property portfolio, which is UK based and also internationally. And we also have a very large care-based company. We're currently operating 16 care homes, 17th opening next year. And we are in the middle of buying another three. Unbelievable. Which will take our care portfolio up to about 20 care homes, all purpose built. And that's probably the main engine of the business.
0: How old were you when you started
1: working in the the business? Uh, Full-time after university. not full time but but not full time I I was dragged around probably from early teens right after school straight to the shop we used to be in the rag trade a long time ago in the early 80s right we used to have clothing shops and then property and then bought our first care home in the early 80s and it just snowballed from there so you must have seen some amazing
0: things like Obviously, I look at my son. My son works for Samuel Knight. So he watched me, like, build Samuel Knight USA from my car. Literally, like, him sitting looking at me thinking, what the fuck are you doing, Dad? And now he sits there and he looks and he sees Samuel Knight USA doing, you know, $10 in sales four years later. So when you were a young child and you start working in the business as an 11 and a 12-year-old, what was that like, man, seeing your dad? and, And what do you think that installed into you?
1: It was tough. Not many people know this, but the first 10 years were tough. My dad used to drag me to Benwell and collect the rents from our tenants in Benwell and Walker, and it was it was scary at times. This must have been, what, early 90s or late 80s? No, late 80s. I was born in 81, so late 80s, and we moved to Darris Hall in 1990. Right. And that's probably when things really started to... To pick up mm-hmm. but the first few years were, were tough particularly the stories i hear from my parents it was very much living pay packet to pay packet for a long long time wow um my dad's a very proud man and he's he's a, just a serial entrepreneur and i think uh, most kids would probably say that about their fathers but my dad is he's the biggest inspiration he's works really hard he's I think it's a dying breed of, yeah. of entrepreneurs these and days. And he's still going now, um, yeah? Yeah, he's still going. He's he's never going to retire. No? Uh, yeah, he, he loves it too much. He's currently working on a huge international expansion over in India. Wow. He's uh, he's actually currently in India as we speak. So I think it's not about money anymore, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's It's a legacy project in his hometown. And you're going to be running that legacy one day. Uh, eventually, yeah, but yeah. I think I've still got a lot more work to do in Newcastle. Well, look, look
0: let's go back to the start, right? So, young Atul, going to school. Tell us about what you were like at school. What was, what was growing up like,
1: Atul Mulhotra? Hey, Hated at school. Like? Didn't try. Wasn't really interested. I probably had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Right. Um, Where'd that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's more of a front. You've known me for a few years now. Yeah. I think I'm very... Guarded who I let in, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, So people, and rightly so, can probably make the the statement that, oh, he's, you know, he's rude, he's arrogant, but I'm not really like that. And I think I my like closest that. friends would say that. But at school, hated it. Didn't really want to be there. Always interested in the family business. Always wanted to work in the family business. It was always a dream of mine. But to be fair, for about a five-year period, I wanted to be a policeman. What, when you were a kid? Yeah, I wanted really? to be a, I wanted a be. You know, you have basically. to go to school to do that. Right? <laughs> um, and to be fair, even probably late teens, it was like, yeah, I want to be Why a Why did you want to be a cop? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Were you watching I the Bill on watching, Sunday nights? I loved watching the Bill when I was <laughs> Before here. you were supposed to go to school, you were sitting there watching the Bill. And, um, you know, my dad always worked really hard and sent us to private schools, private nurseries. And I went, I went to Dame Allen's. My brother went to RGS. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I failed the RGS exam. And uh, mum and dad, I think from a protection point of view, didn't want me to take the exam again. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, Dame Allens is a great school. And if you ask my dad now, he's saying, I wish I'd sent your brother to Dame Allens with you. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I think RGS puts pressure on people, I think. I think Dame Allens is a much more rounded individual. And I'm still friends with my old tutor. Even to this day, Mr. McFall, who was a big help for me. Yeah, in my secondary school at Dame Allens, and he was a huge inspiration, help. He just got me. He, you know, he understood me. And uh, I didn't get the greatest grades at GCSEs or A-levels. Dame Allen said, you know, you're wasting your time, Mr. We Were Watch.
0: you a good kid? Were we, yeah, uh, I was. Were I, no, away?
1: no, I, w- I was obedient. That was just instilled from a young age. Yeah. Uh, from my Quite parents. a strict dad? Dad was strict, yeah. Was I don't regret that. No, it's the way it sets good foundations for you. So you look at society now, I think it's failing in every facet. And my dad used to always say, there's a certain education you learn in your lounge in the house. And that's from my parents. And I wasn't a bad kid, I just didn't like school. I was probably made to feel thick by my teachers.
0: How did that feel? And now as an adult, when you look back at that, because we all remember them years.
1: Yeah, you know, you look. I've still got reports from school, so I was a class clown and Atul's not going to achieve anything in life until he grows up. And But you fast forward, you go to university and... Did you go uni? Yeah, I didn't want to go to uni. Dad said, look, just go. Right. Just go for a year, you'll like it. If you don't like it, then join the business, but you'll regret it. Just go for me for a year and just see how it goes. What uni did you go to? I went to Northumbria. Right. I failed the first year. Right. Again, didn't really want to be there, and dad said, "Look, you've effed around for a year. Be serious now." He said, "It's easy coming in the family business, but you need to go and get a degree." Hats off to your dad saying that. And I resat my exams, got into the second year. Fast forward, did a placement in America. Lived in America for a year. Worked for a hospitality company, and. Came back and unfortunately my granddad passed away three months before I graduated and I was 1% off a first class. Unbelievable. So four years previous, I probably got the worst grades you can think of. I got a C, D, E and U for my A-levels. But then four years later, I was 1.5% off a first class degree and I got a first class for my dissertation. That's amazing. So university, it's up to you generally. Tutor's don't really care if you turn up or not. If you mm-hmm. want to do well, it's up to you. And What was driving you to do that? I promised my dad I'd have a go. Right. And keep my head down and, and work hard. Mm-hmm. And I did. I worked hard. And it's just a piece of paper at the end of the day. A 2-1 degree it doesn't really it's, mean it, anything. It's
0: funny, isn't it? Because... Like, similar to yourself, I got expelled from school. I, mi- my,
1: I missed that one out. I got, yeah. I got, I got, I got suspended as well. I didn't, I didn't just
0: get suspended. I got expelled from one school. They let me back into another school, and I got expelled from that school, so I finished school with no GCSEs. And now I've just done an MBA from Oxford. My old man's like, I can't understand. Like, you can't do your GCSEs, but you go and get an MBA from Oxford, and then you do a master's in psychology and business, and I'm on par for a distinction. And he's just like... Like as a kid, you must have that level of intelligence, but you just didn't want to use it. And it sounds like you were the same. Like, d- d- if you didn't have to do anything other than just fuck it, just knuckle down and just crack on. I've promised my dad something. Like, he, he's obviously your big inspiration. You've just knuckled down, and then you're like 1% away from a first. And that was in what was that, studying?
1: Uh, business studies. It's not a uh, business studies It's not an management easy either, that. I think I was just at a different stage of my life. Yeah. I just wanted to muck around at school and and, and probably be the class clown, because that's what everyone would box me off into. So yeah. I was like, "Well, just continue to play like that. a
0: chameleon." You yeah. just attach yourself to that stigma of this is what I'm I'm made to look like. So this
1: is how I'll totally be. Totally right. And I promised my dad I went to uni and had to be fair. I loved it. And when when I finished, I didn't join the business straight away. I went travelling with my mates. Right. For a year, I went travelled all over the world. Okay. Which was a great. I think that just Not in terms of academia or education. You just grew up as a person. Absolutely. Traveling the world and meeting new people and had a ball and then came back and went straight into the business and I started at the bottom. And when I say the bottom, we're talking about I was doing 12-hour security shifts in our student accommodation. I remember the first time we met was at the CEO Sleepout a couple of
0: years ago and I was inspired by your story because I think people automatically think, because you're everyone sees the Mulhotra group of what it is now. They don't see the thirty years or the forty years worth of graph that your dad's done and then obviously the graph that you've done. And I remember your story telling me. I always remember this. You said my dad stuck me in the, the clock pub and basically gave mm-hmm. it me with the pints and it was kind of like, Luke, this is your pub, you've got to make it to success and you came up with this concept of selling pints of fosters. I think you said for like yeah, one pound one
1: pound ten or one pound twenty? It was yeah. a pound, a pound a pint. Back and you were selling
0: like thousands and thousands of bottles of beer, um, pints of beer.
1: So one thing dad used to always say, and my Uncle Bunny, he said, you need to start from the bottom. A, you get to know your business. Absolutely. But B, you get respect from your staff. And whether it was 12-hour shifts in our student accommodation, looking after our students, we had one of the first ever privately owned halls of residence. And whether it was a pub, You know, we were property people. We bought a building. It was a pub downstairs. Heineken knocked on the door and said, "We hear you're the landlords. Do you want a pub? So we got into the hospitality game by sheer luck. Yeah. If you want to call it that. And we bought a pub and we didn't know anything about running a pub or selling beer. And it was very much buy it for X, sell it for Y. And as long as you've got enough to pay your wages and your gas and electric and you've got a bit of profit. And that's how we started. And we used to sell pints of Foster's for a pound a pint. And I remember how many pints of Foster's were you selling on a weekly basis? Um, a lot. <laughs> <I remember laughs> a saying. lot. We used to sell uh, the most Newcastle Scotch and Newcastle X in the country at one point out of one of our pubs. And you were working behind the bar, weren't you? Match days, yeah. loved yeah. it. If anyone's been to the clock, uh, the Duke the Frumland on mate. on Clayton Street. It's uh it was a rough pub. It's still rough now. No, no, we've had a refurb. It's nice. Really? Oh, you still own it? <laughs> still own it. Still own it's it. It's not that bad. It's still one of our um, most Is it the one with the black businesses. garden? Is that the one? Opposite, opposite the garden, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Um, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's not the nicest locations, but I tell you what, give me 20 of them. Yeah, mate. Um, well, they're always full. And it's it's a fascinating pub because you walk in and you'll see a lawyer sitting next to someone on their benefits, yeah. sitting next to a group of old 70-year-old guys. And it's such a diverse customer profile. What was it like for you working
0: in that kind
1: of environment? And, and what year was this? What what year were you working in? Uh, I think this was just after I got back from travelling. So what, um, so 20 years tw- ago? Yeah, more than 20 years ago. And uh, it was scary, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Although I was the, the owner. It was scary pulling pints on match days. You know, five, six deep at the bar, you get. It's one of those pubs you get the the head on the fosters wrong, or you short pour, or you know the head's too thick. Customers, they give it to you. And um, was there any racist? Was there any racist? Yeah, there's there's always that. I've always had that. Because
0: I can't. I'm just thinking about that area, and this comes down to like the unlocking the mindset about that adversity. So piss around at school then do really well in your degree, then get into hospitality, buy a pub in one of the roughest areas in Newcastle, in all fairness. It's an amazing pub, by the way, (laughs) this is. But it is a rough pub. And as a young entrepreneur, because you are an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur, getting your first pub, sitting there in the level of grief that you're going to get if you pull the wrong pint or, you know, people being racist to you and things like that. I'm not saying that that's a big thing in Newcastle because I don't think it is, but, you know, people saying things to you. How do you deal with that at such a young age? Because you must have been, what, in your early 20s?
1: Yeah, to be fair, look, racism is just, it's rife everywhere. Yeah. you're I don't believe it's a big thing in Newcastle. I agree. I think it was 20, 30, 40, yeah. 60 years ago. You just deal with it, you just you're thick-skinned, you just yeah. laugh it off. You're, I I had to deal with it at university quite a bit. Right. I, I ended up in court because I got assaulted. Shut up. Yeah, yeah I ended up oh, in court. It, it? Uh, someone assaulted me and I was flat out on the floor. And that was a, a racist case. But you just deal with it. You laugh it off. Where does that come from, though, dealing with it?
0: Because do you think that's something instilled by your parents or is that something that you just learnt yourself about... Being able to just have that thick skin and just
1: deal with shit. Yeah, probably that instilled by my my father. Yeah, like, you'll have to deal with his son. You like just, I bet your dad dealt you, with some shit in, back just, in his day. Definitely. I was like 60s. But you know, you speak to dad now and he laughs about yeah, it. Yeah, he, think, he, he thinks it's he thinks it's funny. But you just you just deal with it. Thick yeah. skin that like, comes from I think instilled from my parents and your friends and your surroundings and yeah, yeah, no, the, totally world, the world you grew up in. you say so you've still got the pub? you still got the clock? Still got the pub. Still a success? Ve- ve- yeah. How great. many pubs it's have you got name. now? I think hospitality venues, we've got about 13 or 14. but and again, that was your it, first one? Yeah, and there, the, the Butcher's Arms on Shields Road have still got that as well, which is probably even rougher than the Duke. Never been in there. Right next to the police station on Shields Road. Right. Shields Road is where we had our second clothing shop we used to have a clothing shop in Wall's End called right. up, to, up to Date. Then we opened one on Shields Road. And then the Michael Parrish building, which is a very grand building on, mm-hmm. on in bike on Shields Road, that came up as an opportunity to purchase back in the early 90s. Right. And I think that's probably where things really started to pick up. We converted that. It used to be the Bennett's Electrical Store back in the day. Right. Uh, Cheryl Cole's mum's used to work there. And we convert that to, to one of Newcastle's first privately owned halls of residence. And that's where our head office was for a long time. We've still got a head office Do there.
0: Do you think that the expectation of outsiders and the expectation and the pressure that you put on yourself, because it is a family business, do you think that is like greater than maybe if you'd started something differently or done something differently? Because I can imagine te- it being quite
1: pressurised. Yeah, but I think it's it's good to have pressure. Yeah. It's nice getting up in the morning and having pressure. You you employ twelve hundred people, so you're probably indirectly responsible for three, four thousand people by the time you include their kids and families and partners and it's a nice pressure to wake up to, to provide for them and give them a comfortable work life balance and I, I enjoy the pressure. Sometimes it gets on top of me and that's where you have to reach out to mentors and friends and step out of the business and yeah. speak to my dad and although my dad's the chairman of the business he's very much a, you know he's he's there just to help he's there to advise he's much more of an advisory role now we've got a, a solid management team you know if I need to reach out to him it's very it's good
0: to have that
1: yeah, he's my best friend. He's my mentor. He's my inspiration. He's a leader. He's, you know, he's, he's five or six roles wrapped into one. I love that. And it's sometimes amazing and sometimes it's not because we don't always see eye to eye. But yeah, yeah, in yeah. business, you don't always see eye no, to no, eye. Of course not. And, you know, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him and the people that really know me. It's not a case of you're new son and mm-hmm. a golden spoon shoved up your backside I don't
0: um, think but just from that first time I met you I thought you've had it just as rough as anybody just starting out on their own because you know I think about my son and Samuel Knight and he was making tea at the age of 14 and flunked school didn't want to go to uni and now he's started in operations and now he's just gone into marketing he's only 19 he hasn't even in sales yet and he's he's like dad I want to get in sales so when one of my my first job
1: roles was I used to do the accounts payable for the whole group wow After
0: you'd graduated with your degree in...
1: So I I worked in every facet of the business, whether it was security, accounts payable, purchasing, maintenance, working in the pub. I worked and spent time in every single department of the group. It's amazing.
0: Tell us some of the achievements then. You've been in the company now for, what, 20 years? 18 years? Yeah, just about 20 years. Um, What are some of the things that you're most proud of in the business?
1: I think the, probably the one that's most personal to me is um, Lay Lilies. It's named after my daughter. It's won several international awards for design. It's won a rosette. It's won the best bar in Newcastle. A couple of occasions. So from a personal point of view, it's that. Yeah. Purely because it's named after my two daughters. You take
0: that risk on, did you? Did you see that as an opportunity and say, right, I think we should get this?
1: We bought the hotel. It was, I think it was in administration. So right. we bought Gray Street Hotel and there was a tent in there. It was living room. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember, and we took the decision to let them out their lease or take it over, and it was a case of right. There's the key, son. Crack on. So every element of the design, the fit out, the process, the the name, the branding, everything worked with the team, and I, I headed that, and it was like I said, it worked with a really solid design team and. Mm-hmm. In-house team and it. I didn't deliver that. I headed it, but I didn't deliver that. That was a, that was a huge effort,
0: but it was very personal to me. Yeah, but you surround yourself with the right people, don't you? And, and if you can
1: create that shared vision and shared dream, then people, you know, automatically. And that's one thing I've learned that. from my dad is, if you don't have the expertise, you buy the expertise. So whether it's a law firm or a accountancy firm or a CFO or a builder or a designer, at all levels. If you don't know it, you go out and buy it and surround yourself. And we're, we're very loyal with the teams that we work with, external teams, whether it's law firms or accountancy firms or design firms. You know, we we use the same one that we used nearly 25, 30 years ago. We're very loyal. One of our senior finance managers used to work for Barclays uh, originally. Lent my dad one of his first ever loans, and he's one of our senior finance managers, works in our business. He left Barclays and came in-house. So it's it's loyalty. Loyalty is a big thing.
0: I can't imagine it all being easy, though, because obviously you're in hospitality. You employ 1,200 people. Essentially, you're responsible for 3,000 people them 3,000 people need feeding, they've got mortgages to pay and they rely on on their employers to, to basically make sure that they're safe and they're they're well looked after. And let's go back to the COVID days because I want to give the, the listeners an understanding of not just the emotional aspect of who you are because you can see that one of the things how I would describe the first time I met you is one of the loveliest lads I've ever met. I said that to to Carl. I was like, what a lovely guy. And that comes across naturally as well. And you've got that social element about yourself. But that adversity, I think listeners might sit and think, oh, you know, you're part of this Mulhocha group, huge successful business. What do you know about adversity? But well, I want to give the listeners a real understanding of what you have to deal with in that COVID aspect. So employ all these people, all of these properties, People who understand business know that you have to pay your bills. It doesn't just disappear when there's a pandemic. What goes through your mind, like at that point? When COVID hit,
1: it was very much, you need to stand up and be a leader. you got to look after your team, your business, your livelihood. You've got to look after your staff. So you're very much in a mode of get on with it, be a leader, look after your team. And it was a tough Tough 12, 18 months. It's even tough now, hospitality. is Mm -hmm. tough at the the minute with what's going on currently with. How would you get through it? I can remember the day it announced we had an emergency board meeting. My father, my uncle, myself, our CFO at the time, our FD, and we had to make some tough decisions. We obviously had to close all of hospitality. Everyone went on furlough. Care was greatly impacted in terms of we now know that hospitals sent. Patients to care homes knowing they had COVID. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge COVID outbreak within care homes. So every day was firefighting. It was just get on with it. Need to get on with it. Take precautions, be there for one another. I don't really have much to do with the care side of the business. My uncle Bunty heads that. Mm -hmm. But I've heard the stories, I've seen them, and they were tough. And how he got through that was commendable. Mm -hmm. But it's how every care home operator got through it. Where do you think that grit inside you come from for deal with that? Though because I think both my father and, and my uncle, obviously they were born in India. yeah, They had a very strict father, my granddad. Uh, God bless him, no longer with us anymore. But I think that's all has always been instilled into them. My father probably took after him in some ways because he didn't like school. He used to muck around, mm-hmm. but he always had a an entrepreneurial mind. My, my granddad was into property when he was younger um, and that's how the business started back in India and, and my father's just, he's a tough cookie. Mm-hmm. And he put that into you and he
0: just thought it is what it is, just crack on.
1: You've just got to crack on and you've, got to, you've got to do the best of what you've got. Yeah. And You didn't make one redundancy neither, no? Uh, no, not through COVID. Some maybe just after because you had to look after your business mm-hmm. and the furlough scheme helped a lot, but some people didn't qualify for it, so it was tough for those. But looking back, you know, we had the best part of 12 to 18 months off of hospitality. Part of me was bored as well. Yeah. How did you spend your time? I got involved with other aspects of the business. Luckily, my second daughter was born, so I spent some quality time with her. Nice. My father missed out a lot of our childhood due to work pressures. He had to provide for the family, and I've always said to my wife that I don't want to miss out on my children's childhood. Yeah. So I try and have a strict work-life balance, particularly since my two daughters have come into my I world. think that's
0: important to you know
1: to, to have that work-life balance because you can't work to live. No, you can't. And Especially as a parent. Listen, I, I am in a very privileged position. My dad's worked extremely hard. Well, so, I'm on, you know, I'm so, then, My uncle Bunty's worked really hard, and I do have that privilege where if I want to take a day off, I can and spend time with the girls and go on holiday. And, and that's one thing I've I've promised myself because life goes quickly. Yeah, I've, I've just, just recently celebrated a birthday, and I said to my wife, I said, 30 to 40, has gone by so quickly, like in the blink of an eye. You're the same age as me, yeah? 41. F- I've just turned 42. Have you? And. Um, 30 to 40 went by really quickly. And then I spoke to my dad and he said, son, 50 to 60 goes quicker. And then before you know it, 60 to 70. You've got to make time. I don't know how my dad does it sometimes. He's on Zoom at half, five in the morning, every day. You'll be the same though. It's in you. It's in me. But I think I've got those traits from my father that have been instilled into me, work hard and provide. But there is more to life.
0: What's your why now? Why do you do what you do? What motivates you?
1: My wife asked me this actually, she asked me this a few months ago and I think one is I've got my dad sitting on my shoulder, two is my girls provide for them, work hard and three is I'm very loyal to my staff as they are to me and look after them, give them the tools for them to do their work, you know people say what do you do at work I'm like I don't believe really in titles I'm not it's not, not about titles and status. Some people are motivated by that. And it's it's very much I'm a troubleshooter. It's my job to give our staff the tools for them to do their job. It's really, really simple. People think work is is complicated. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. The hardest part of my job is looking after our staff because they every human being is motivated by different things.
0: I totally agree. And do you get that? Because, again, one of the things about the podcast is Trying to break down the four elements of what I believe create success and ambition in people. And as we were talking before about that level of emotional intelligence, where does your level of EQ come from? Do you think that's natural or do you think that that's something, again, that's been passed down from generation to generation?
1: It's funny you ask that because if, if I was to pick, I'm probably EQ. The leadership courses I've done is I'm very much I've been told and from the results I've been given I'm very much a an emotional feeling sort of person with sensitivities. Whereas someone like my father who is a serial entrepreneur, I don't know where I don't know where he gets that drive from, is he's not a robot, but he's very much a blue and a red so yeah. we've done some leadership courses and we've spent some time with one of the most respected professors in the country from from Henley Business School and we had the privilege of spending a full week with him the board well, the board took a week out and we did all these courses and it, I think the biggest thing is not just in life but in work is you need to know who you are it's really important to, to understand who you are and why is it that you're like that once you know yourself, you can be governed by those principles. But if you don't know who you are, and the biggest thing finding out who you are is you got to confront your failures. And once you feel you can confront your failures, and then that allows you to find out a lot more about yourself. So we've, you know, I read books, I speak to... What kind I, of books I, you read? But I've just I had a meeting with the bank yesterday, and he... Um, he said, I told him, you come across this app called, um, and he made me download it yesterday. There's, there's an app called Blinkist. Blinkist? I don't have time to read as much as I want to. Yeah. I get bored yeah, quite yeah. quickly reading books. And so you type into this app called Blinkist the name of the book, any right. book, and it gives you a 15 minute podcast. Of all the best part? Of the, what the book's about. Really? So you can read a book in 15, 20 minutes. On that. So I downloaded it yesterday. I haven't put the first one in yet, but I went on holiday recently with a a very close couple to us, and he recommended Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Right, yeah. It was his last scripts that they found years after he died, and they've made a book on that. And there's another one called The Psychology of Money, which uh, has been highly recommended. And then um, things like One Minute Manager. Yeah. It's so only about 60, 70 pages long. Yeah, yeah, a big one. Of, um, one of our mentors gave me that, and that just sits on my desk.
0: You find that, I don't know if you're the same, but people who have got a higher level of EQ, they're always fascinated by that. They're fascinated by psychology. Like, I've got this weird addiction to it. I want to know what's running through everybody's mind because... I've got such a high level of EQ. My IQ is probably normal, but my EQ is off the spectrum. Just like yourself, I did um, tests and whatnot, me and all my management team did. And I just love these kind of books that kind of like give you snippets or break down situations from history or situations from individuals or successful people where you really get an understanding of their insight. If someone, let's say 10 years from now, CEO of the Hartra Group and You've started from the bottom. You've worked your way through. The business continues to scale. Someone tries to open up Atul's mindset. What are them principles and them values that you feel people or a psychologist would see inside of
1: your mind? They that's open you up. That's Three principles. It's a good question. I think integrity. Yeah. And that's one thing my dad's always... My dad's a very hard, tough businessman. And... He's probably stepped on a lot of toes. But one thing he can't be accused of is his honesty. And if you speak to my father, he'll always say, son, all I've got is 40 years worth of integrity. He said, "It's that's all I've got. And he says it can go in a blink. So he says, you always have to be, you've got to have good integrity. What would they see if they opened me up? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> tough nut? Um, Are you a tough one to crack? I, I'm not as tough as my dad. Yeah, I am getting tougher. And some people think I'm a soft touch, and that's fine. I like to be underestimated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it more fun. Don't take my uh, <laughs> my kindness for a weakness, as they yeah, say. So, yeah, exactly. You know, and I think since my daughters have come into the world, it's massively changed I me. Mean, my dad used to always say, because I've got a younger sister who's twelve years younger than us, She's thirty, and so she was quite a big age gap. And my dad used to always say, "You're not a man till you've had a daughter." I I, I could agree with that having a um, fourteen-year-old one, and I've I've got two girls, six and four, and I think my outlook on life has has changed yeah massively, and I'm I'm, I'm probably a soft touch with them, but it, when it comes to my work, I'm quietly confident when it comes to my work. Yeah, so you should be. What's next for you then? Where's the business going? You're COO of
0: the business now, been there 20 years, responsible for all the hospitality sector of the business?
1: Hospitality, you know, the three of us are, yeah, are in yeah. charge of it. I think yeah. if you have a family business, you've got to be in charge of everything. Yeah. So what's next? Where are you going? Well, we've just published our financial results for the year. I think our, our turnover was just under 50 and EBITDA was close to, I think, 12, 13. So the business is touch would really bounce back out of COVID. yeah we're we're certainly seeing that now it's still a long way to go but we're in a good healthy place my father is working on a a huge international development he's working on four projects over in india in his hometown he's just bought himself a jack nicholas design golf course with 400 villas on it so we'll go and play some golf soon i think steve right Yeah, yeah yeah sounds good um and I'm not sure what the future holds. I think I'll always have that instilled into me work. But it's just finding that balance, which I've started to do recently. Um, and I'm quite strict with myself. You know, I've got to go to the gym every day and, and things like that.
0: What are your rituals, your morning rituals? Do you have, like, is there a specific way that you start your day for the listeners? Well, it's carnage
1: in the morning, get the kids ready for school. Yeah, I can um, imagine. So I take the kids to school every day. It's Part of my enjoyment I like taking them and parking the car and we walk a good 400 yards to school every morning you just get to talk to them yeah. and spend some time with them and then straight to the gym yeah and then I don't take my first meeting till 11 that's just yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, be, I'm, I'm yeah. very strict 11 o'clock is my first external meeting if mm-hmm. I need one but it's very much drop the kids to school go to the gym catch up with some emails and then Just go and visit each department, see what's going on, Mm -hmm. see what lands on my desk. Every day is different. And then I try and get home for no later than half six because then... Spend time with the family and the girls? Yeah, I try. uh, My my wife, I think if she was listening to this, she'd probably agree. I've started to leave my phone in the other room and that hour and a half, I try my best to spend some quality time with the girls, uh, read a book catch up with their day, put them to bed, and then I watch Natalie cook dinner because I can't cook. <laughs> 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 and then uh, spend some time with Natalie and then read, catch up with emails. I don't really sleep that much. The light doesn't go off till midnight. Really? Yeah. And Eva still loves coming into bed with us in the middle of the night. So broken sleep, you just get used to it. Happy with it. Up by seven. And then start again? And then start again. And then... Uh, try and spend at least one full day on a weekend with them.
0: It's nice. It's, it's a good ritual to have and it's very family-focused and you can see that.
1: Yeah, because you know, you know, my, my
0: circle's very small and I
1: like to keep it that way. I think your circle
0: does get small as you get older. You know, I was talking to my friend about this and you know, he was saying to me, Steve, man, you've like got four people in your circle. I was like, that is literally as tight as it can get. I mean, I can't kick any more, any more people out of it. I'll offend him.
1: We, we have three couples in yeah. our life. It's out of choice but it's also when you get kids and work you don't and need a load you of can't people. spend yeah. time with everyone and as I've got older it's spend time with people that add value to your life. I totally agree. If you don't add value to my life, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. You're right for a Saturday night pint or yeah. meet you before the match. But you need to add value to my life. If I don't feel you're adding value to my life, you won't be in it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And and do you know what's really funny is the people
1: who we've interviewed on the
0: show all of them have said the same thing you've got to be elevating me and I've got to be elevating you and we've got to be on the same page if you're not doing that and you're not adding anything any value to me you're not in my life and people think is is entrepreneurs or successful people they're the people who have that mindset you know I know people back in in Stoke where I'm from and they still hang around with 15 20 people going out you know, every night drinking beer and unhealthy lifestyles and unhealthy mindsets. And I just sit and I think to them, I, I, like I'm so blessed to have the mind that I've got where yeah, it's think, just like think, strip it right back and I think you're, you're in a
1: circle, to take your family out of it because they'll yeah. always, you know, be there for you and they'll love you and they'll... But I think your circle's supposed to be proud of you, not jealous, you're yeah. supposed to elevate you. And they're supposed to call you out as well. Yeah. Tell you how it is. I and totally I think yeah. that's really, really important. I'm a big believer, you know, Show me your circle and I'll tell you your future. Exactly what
0: we've just been saying on that. It's it's, it's such similar. They're, they're just such similar traits as, as everybody else. So, look, in terms of tips for people, individuals who are just starting out in business or individuals that maybe are stepping into a family business, what three bits of advice and takeaways
1: from this podcast would you would you give them? I think family businesses are always tough. It's a tough dynamic because between 9 and 5, he's my dad's my boss. But then at 5 o'clock, he's my dad again. And it's it's really tough. That's a tough dynamic to understand. But at the end of the day, whether it's a family business or not, there's only one leader, and you can have disagreements. You can have as many disagreements as you want. But if a decision has been made, just get on with it. And it's really important, there's a clear message from the family to the board, to the senior management team, and it's gotta be black and white. I think one of the biggest things I've learned over the past five years is you've got to control your emotions. I'm a very high EQ, so my emotions are always on the brim. <laughs> but you've got, to, uh, you've got to control them. And I've started to give back a lot, so I've took three or four individuals under my wing and I'm trying to mentor them as well. To much. get into like a management position? Yeah, management positions that currently work for us. Uh, I meet them for a coffee occasionally and and just give back. I'm a governor of the school that the kids go to. Uh, another school's approached me to be a governor and I'm on the Darris Hall Estates Committee as well. So it's, as much as I love my work, it's trying to give something back as well. It's oh, um, honourable. And uh, it's fun good fun
0: good well listen thank you very much for coming on the podcast Atul I'm sure the listeners will agree that's been a great session learn a bit more about yourself learn a bit more about the Molhotra group and some of the challenges that you face not just coming through your career but also the, the challenges that your businesses face throughout the pandemic and whatnot. and it sounds like you guys are, are flying now so I wish you all the best and uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you where's the best place to reach out to you?
1: I'm not on social media.
0: No LinkedIn or anything like um, that? LinkedIn. There you go. Fam,
1: fam, uh, the, the group website.
0: You never know. Someone in hospitality might be sitting there and thinking, I could really do with some tips and advice <laughs> from uh, from Atul how to deal with. Feel life. free. Feel yeah. free. Thanks very much, mate, and all the best.
1: Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks Cheers, for having friends. us. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to Unlock Your Mindset with me, Steve Orlickson.